Hello everyone and welcome to Balls and Whistles, a sports podcast from Highland News and Media. I'm your sports editor, Will Clark, and after a two-week sabbatical, yes folks, he's back. It's Andrew Henderson. Hello there. Why that song? I think your return to the seat just deserved it like an epic beginning. Okay. So it, there wasn't a message or anything in that. It was purely the sound of it. What, a, what an intro. I mean, I don't think we've gone as grand as that in the past, so I'll happily take it. How are you doing? I feel like I've missed a lot these last couple of weeks. What do you mean you've missed a lot? Well, there's been the start of the league campaign for Cali Thistle and Ross County. The Highland League's back in force. That's not even to mention non-football stuff. No. Oh, it's not, it's not been a good start for Clarker now. <laughs> I'm not saying it's been a good I'm just saying I missed a lot, okay? Feels like it, at least. I had to get Alistair Fraser in. I had to get Federica Stefani in, just for interviews for the podcast. You barely did any interviews for the podcast last week. You just shipped it out to everybody else. Did you not listen to my interview with Alistair Risk, who, as we speak, is taking part in his 50th consecutive Broner five-day open? That was a belter of a story. To be fair, that was a cracker. That did bring a smile on my face listening back to it. But that was the one I think you did, and everything else is Alistair Federica. <laughs> I, I, I helped. You helped. Okay. That, you should make that your new Twitter bio. Like, sports editor, I helped. I'm actually wearing a T-shirt that says, I helped. Oh, well, that makes all the sense then. Well, I'm back to help you out this week. That, that's what's happening. Just for um, the listeners' uh, curiosity, Hendo is wearing a quite a fetching Belladrum T-shirt. Well, yeah, I mean, you've covered your fashion choices for the day. I was supposed to be at Belladrum last weekend before it got cancelled because of this bloody pandemic. So I thought I'd just try and evoke the spirit of Belladrum and wear a bit of merch that we got in lockdown last year. But none of this is sport-related. Should we start talking well, about... Before we go there, you're invoking the spirit of all music festivals with your haircut. How long has it been since you had your haircut? How long has it been since I had a haircut? About... Don't say before the pandemic hit. Two weeks. Two weeks? Two weeks. Fair enough. As, as you very nicely alluded to a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I was at my brother's wedding. So I felt like I had to get it tidied up at least a little bit for him. Oh, it's good. it's good you made an effort for such a special occasion. Congratulations to your brother, by the way. Uh, I hope it's a long and successful marriage. I do too. And I actually know he listened to the intro of that podcast because I made a point of telling him to listen to it. So I think he appreciated that. I'll just say on, on his behalf, thank you for that. When you say intro, is it just his music and then he switches off? No, some of your words as well. We did listen well, to you me. for a little bit too. No. What's his name again? Alan. <laughs> Congrats, Alan, Alan. Congratulations. All the best for the future. You've done better than me by making it in now. <laughs> this is not where I expected us to start this episode. Should we start talking about some sport? Yeah, let's go for it. Well, you were actually at a match last weekend. Let's start with Cali Thistle because they got off to quite a good start at Gayfield. They beat our both 1-0. It's a good way to start the season. They're going to be looking to do the same thing tomorrow against Wraith on home turf. It was a good start to the championship campaign, especially after the what can only be described as a huge disappointment in the Premier Sports Cup group stages. Um, 
because it was quite a favourable draw in the group. I think we, that would be fair to say. They got off to a good start with Peter Head, which you were at, um, and they played quite well. A shocking first 20 minutes against Sterling Albion. And even after they brought it to 2-2, Sterling Albion created plenty of chances to win the game. They lost at Cove Rangers as well. To be on paper, that should have been two games they won. And they put a, a good performance against Hearts, but it was so vital that they put that behind them when they went to Gayfield on Saturday. Because Arbroath, they're not a bad team. They're a part-time team, but you know as well as I do, watching them last season, they play some good football. In fact, they were probably one of my favourite teams to watch last season, just because they had such an attacking mentality. And um, it was quite an end-to-end game in the first half. Both teams had chances, but uh, it was a good counter-attack from Shane Sutherland to win the game. But after that, I think it would be quite fair to say Califis will look content with a 1-0 victory. Because Arbroath in the last half hour, they were banging at the door. Uh, not really creating too much chances at goal, to be fair, but they did have most of the possession. They did try to um, strike on goal. There wasn't really much of an emphasis on Inverness after they took the lead to try and kill off the game, find that second goal. I mean, I'm maybe being a bit harsh on Arbroath because they did play well despite the 1-0 defeat. But last season, and maybe the season before, Gayfield wasn't really a successful place for Cali Fissile. Um, or even at the Caledonian Stadium. Arbroath picked up some good results there too. And Cali Fissile's record against part-time teams as well wasn't that great. I mean, you just have to look how they did against Alloa as well as Arbroath. So to go to Arbroath and win is an improvement from what they did last season. So we maybe shouldn't scoff at it. You know, it was a good three points. They deserved the victory, but maybe Billy Dawes would... Maybe looking for a bit more ruthlessness. I don't know. You're saying Cali Thistle didn't look like they were, you know, stretching for a second goal. How much of that do you think was them sitting back, trying to hold on to a 1-0 lead? And how much of that was just our both pushing for an equaliser? Because you're always going to get a home team going on the front foot once they go behind to try and get back into the game. Where was the balance, do you think, for that? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I might be being a bit critical of our growth because, like I said, they played well. You know, they didn't play badly. It was an end-to-end game uh, for the first half and the beginning of the second half until Cali Fissel scored. But Arbroath made a real effort to try and get back into the match. I would certainly say Cali Fissel's biggest strength last weekend was in centre midfield. Reese McAleer had a great performance, but I thought Scott Allardyce really orchestrated the team. He helped the team drive go forward by sending in balls, but he was outstanding in winning the ball back when uh, Cali Fissel conceded. I think I tweeted, actually. He reminded me of a wee Baryshnikov. And it was his footwork and winning a ball back. It, it was brilliant. It was just like he stuck his foot in between the, the Arbroath defender's legs before he realised, won the ball back and then set it forward. It was a thing of beauty to see. And I think that's one thing that I, I took out of the game how important Scott Arlandice will be to Cali Fissel's season. When he's not there, Cali Fissel are missing something in midfield. And it's particularly noticeable last weekend at Gayfield. Just his presence. He's like an orchestrator, I suppose. Would that be the, is that the word I'm looking for? He, he kind of dictated the play in midfield. And that was missing with Cali Fissel in the group stages, missing that kind of person there. I, I said it last season as well. Scott Allardyce, along with David Carson, were my two standouts. And I think that's going to be the case again. Although I think he teamed up really well with Reese McAleer. 
I need to see him a bit more, but against Arbroath, he certainly impressed me. Well, the reason I asked you the question about whether it was Cali Thistle sitting back or just Arbroath pushing is because talking to Billy Dodds at the press conferences yesterday, he was really pleased with the all-round performance. He says that Cali Thistle showed a bit of everything. They showed that they can be a threat going forward. They obviously got the goal, but then they also showed that defensive resilience to keep the team out when they were pushing. So he was certainly looking at that as a positive, and that's something they're going to need probably a lot more of this weekend against Wraith. You can look at their result last weekend, 4-4 after being 4-0 up and think, what happened there? They've totally thrown that away. But let's not forget that they were 4-0 up. And last season, especially in the early part, they were one of the most feared attacking units in the championship. Calithus are going to need to be solid at the back to keep Wraith out first and foremost. And hopefully they can take advantage of Wraith's own defensive frailties. I know that should be dismissed. You're 4-0 up with half an hour ago. Something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. And you can see four, four goals. You know, everyone can say how good Rafe Rovers are going forward, but there's obviously a problem in defence. I mean, who concedes a 4-0 lead? The only time I can remember that was when uh, Germany were 4-0 up with like 12 minutes to go. I don't know if you remember the game. And Sweden brought it back to 4-4. I think it was a World Cup qualifier. Maybe Sweden had Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I'm not sure if uh, Hamilton Academicals have got any of that standard. It wasn't four goals, but didn't Cali Thistle come back from 3-0 down a couple of years back? That's right, Queen of South. Yep, they were 3-0 down with 15 minutes to go, and they pulled it back to 3-3, and Nathan Austin missed a sitter right at the end to win it for Cali Thistle. I'll never forget that press conference afterwards. John Robertson like sat in his chair at Dumfries and said, I was knackered just watching that. But uh, going back to Rafe Rovers, yeah, they're great going forward, but there's obviously a problem in defence. I can guarantee John McGlynn will have absolutely battered his players over this. So it could result in a different way Rafe Rovers play tomorrow. Because if they take the lead, or like a two-goal or three-nil, he's not going to want a repeat performance. He'll have addressed this. So they can go forward all alike, but if they don't know how to sit back, Cali Fissel should be confident uh, they can pick up a home win. That's certainly what Dodds is expecting. He's, he's not thinking it's going to be exactly the same as last weekend tomorrow at the Caledonian Stadium. He fully expects John McGlynn to have gone and done his analysis, to have worked that way to improve things. I still think there might be a few goals in it just because of the quality of both teams going forward, but I certainly wouldn't expect eight goals in the afternoon. The other thing that Dodds was really you know, quite at pains to put across as well was the fans. It's the first home league game that there's going to be fans at since December then it was only a couple of hundreds. So this is going to be by far the biggest home league crowd they've had for a while. He was really you know, positive about the fans that made it to Gayfield last weekend. Did you find that they were particularly vocal, Will? Oh, it was fantastic. I don't know if it was like 50 or 100. I don't know the specific numbers, but they made their voices heard. And it was just, it was a beautiful, to be honest, Hendo. It was, it was like uh, listening to Angels sound when you compared the game to last season. I absolutely hated reporting on games in empty stadiums. It was just like an empty shell. You could hear what the referee was saying. Well, that was quite good sometimes. I quite enjoyed hearing the referee and the people. But it was nothing compared to hearing the public in the stands. eh? And uh, I think it was like 1,008 was the official attendance at our growth. And uh, it was just great to hear the Cali Fistles fans singing again. It 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 was like watching a different sport. Well, the hope is that they're going to be singing en masse in much bigger numbers tomorrow when Wraith come to the Highland capital. I don't know how many people they're expecting for that. I don't know how many people will make it along, but Dodd said that he thinks people will be absolutely desperate to get back into the stadium and with good reason. We've obviously talked about it a lot 
over the last year or so, even before we started this podcast and columns and various articles in the paper, people have been desperate to get fans back into football grounds. Hopefully they can make a bit of a difference, really get behind the team tomorrow. And Dallas wants to give them something to cheer about as well by playing entertaining football. They certainly responded to it well in the Peterhead game right back at the start of the League Cup. As I say, with more numbers for the league campaign, a lot of people see the league as the real start to the season, even though we've got those competitive games. I'd expect it to be a fantastic atmosphere tomorrow. I bet you're looking forward to it. It should be good. I am going along to that one. It's Honestly, to me, this feels like the start of the season just because I've had these last couple of weeks off. So I was saying to a couple of guys earlier in the week at press conferences, I don't really feel like things have gotten underway yet. So I'm sure it'll hit me tomorrow seeing hopefully a couple of thousand people and at the Caledonian Stadium, and fingers crossed, Califas will get a win to boot. It'll be great. <laughs> and uh, I've got, I've got one, one thing from last weekend. Some people say beauty is in the pie of the beholder. <laughs> Just seeing those kiosks open and buying a, a steak pie and a bovril at Gayfield. Yes, the beef was oversalted. I didn't care. It was just great to just have something to eat again. And just, yeah, it, it's what it, one more step back to normality and uh, yum, yum, yum. Tell you what, there could be a bit of change on that front for Ross County fans because I saw earlier in the week that their um, hospitality providers, I suppose would be the way to describe them, have... You know, pulled out of their contract, it's just not doable what the club wants to, to do with the kiosks. That isn't actually what we're talking about in the podcast this week. That's not what's in the papers, but I did see that and it was a nice segue because Ross County were at home last week against St. Johnson. Nil-nil draw. I know our colleague Alistair Fraser was there and he was pretty impressed with how, again, defensively solid Ross County looked after a couple of years where they've been up there with the, the highest number of conceded goals in the league. I thought it was a good point for them last week, looking at it from the outside, seeing the highlights, but it's going to be a big test again this time around on Sunday when they go to Easter Road and take on a Hibs side backed by, I think it's going to be about five and a half thousand fans. Yeah, but I think the last time they played at Easter Road, they won. True, that is true. (laughs) Yeah, so have faith, Hendro. Don't dismiss Ross County off just yet. I'm not dismissing them at all, but it's a team that finished third in the league last season. It's going to be a tough match, even if County were the favourites. Yeah, you look on paper at Hibs, and they're a very impressive side. Did play Raiheka last night, and they've got the second line next week, next Thursday. Will that have a, an impact on what kind of team they play on Sunday? I don't know. Not suggesting that Ross County couldn't get a result against the first team, but on paper, Hibs look a very impressive side, and I like the signings that they've made. But uh, Ross County should take a lot of encouragement last weekend because they haven't made a lot of signings this season. Going into that game, I should add, going into that game, because there was activity this week. But to get a 0-0 draw against a good St. Johnston team who won both Cups, you know, that shouldn't be scoffed at. Yes, St. Johnston, they're not one of the big city teams. But, you know, don't scoff at getting a point against St. Johnston. That's a good start to the season. It's not a defeat. Yes, you've got Herbs, you've got Aberdeen, you've got Rangers, you've got Celtic in your opening games. Is this going to be a joker card for Malky Mackay? Is he just going to basically go gung-ho and hope for the best and then maybe see the start of their season afterwards or not? You're right. It's a tough start to the season. We've talked about that before in the podcast. As far, I think, as Malky Mackay is concerned, based on, again, chatting to him at the press conferences earlier this week, He's seen this as a challenge for Ross County to rise to. I asked him that question. Could the lack of expectation almost play into Ross County's hands? And he just sort of slyly smiled at me and said that people are writing us off. 
we're being tipped for relegation everywhere he looks. If people want to write us off, okay then. And I think that's quite a good attitude for him to have. Ross County this season, especially with you know Dundee and Hart back in the top flight, people talk about it as the strongest Scottish Premiership in years. Ross County have to have an us versus them mentality. They have to go into games looking to prove people wrong and use that as motivation. And this is going to be one of those games. You know, yes, we don't know what kind of team Hibs are going to be able to put out because Europe is, as you rightly said, very much in their focus right now. But they do have good players in reserve as well. And you know what? I just wonder if this is going to be a game for Dan Mackay. We talked about him so much at Cali Thistle last year. He did so well against Ross County in the Cup. I don't see him being an automatic starter for Hibs this season, but this might just be a game to ease him into things at Easter Road against a team he knows he can play well against. And count you're going to have to do much better than they did the last time they came up against him, if that is the case. Yeah. I've just brought up the fixtures for Ross County. After Hibs, it's Rangers at home, Aberdeen away, Celtic away. And even after that, it's Hearts at home. Yeah. Who beat Celtic in the opening day of the season and looked great. So it's a tough start for Ross County. So you just wonder, maybe the Hearts game on September 8th, the 18th, or... Away to Mullerwell on September 25th. Is that when the season really starts for Ross County? Or I've been really unfair on these guys. I wouldn't blame Ross County fans if they thought along those lines, but I don't think the players and the manager can afford to think like that. Because if you're going into the middle of September with one point on the board, that's not good. You know, that's a, a situation that could be really tough to recover from with so much quality in the rest of the league. They can't afford to think, let's just get through this period regardless of how tough the run of fixtures is, regardless of how tough the numbers are right now in Dingwall. I thought it was quite interesting. Malky Mackay was saying that there's essentially four more people in training this week than last week. But he's including Harry Payton and Regan Charles Cook in that because they only just came back from the Gold Cup before last weekend. There's obviously David Cancola, who signed a couple of weeks ago, but had to quarantine. He started training with the group this week. Harry Clark on loan from Arsenal. They're hoping, or they're expecting, I should say, to get two more signings across the line today as this goes out. So going to have a much bigger squad training with them. And by the time Sunday rolls around, they have to look to pick up points. They just have to, because otherwise it's game over for them before they even start in a lot of ways. You know what? I say it's a tough start, but would you fancy them against Celtic? Celtic are such an unknown quantity. Obviously, County beat them twice last year, but under a new manager with, New players coming in, maybe still players to leave as well. I don't really know what to expect from Celtic. I'm expecting a disastrous season for Celtic. I'm not saying they're going to finish outside the top two. Well, that's it. What is a disastrous season? Well, not winning the league for Celtic. Simple as that. So they could still beat every other team in the league, lose a couple of games to Rangers, not win the league, and that's a disastrous season. There's such a big scale of what's a disappointing season for them. They could have a terrible year by their standards, but still be thrashing Ross County 4-5-0. or We don't know that. We just don't know that yet. Yeah, but I look at the squad, it's still like have, and uh, I don't think Ross County should be fearful of it. You know, they beat them twice after all last season. I'm not too sure about Ange Postelego. Wait, what? <laughs> Who is Celtics manager, Phil? Oh, my God, his surname. I don't have it in front of me. You do. How, how did you pronounce it? Postelego. Postelego. Something like that. Sorry, Tom. To be fair, I have no idea. I'm I'm taking the mic out of you, and you could be exactly right. I have no idea. Ostiegli, I think it's called. He's called anyway. But like I said, Ross County, it was a good start not to get beat by St. Johnston at home. 
Ali McCann had a shocker of a penalty, but I saw the highlights and they played not too badly. Dominic Samuel did all right, I think. Did you see him? Do you agree with that? I saw the highlights and it's just sort of the same sort of thing as you. Um, I was a little surprised to see Samuel start, to be honest. I kind of assumed it would be Jordan White and Ollie Shaw. And it was Jordan White and Dominic Samuel, wasn't it? So he didn't do terribly from what I saw, but it's difficult to get a gauge on an overall performance just from a couple of highlights. I, I would much rather wait and see them in person before I start passing judgments on some of the new signings. Yeah, yeah. I've not seen Ross County at all pre-season League Cup uh, this season, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how they get on at Hibernian on Sunday. And uh, hopefully they can pick up uh, at least a point. If they come up away from Edinburgh with something, you know, that'll be a huge boost to Mackay. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, it'll be a huge boost to Clacknacudden if they can avoid defeat up at your old stomping grounds of Wick Academy this weekend. Two games in, their goal difference is minus eight. They're currently at the bottom of the Highland League. But Jordan McDonald is staying pretty positive. He doesn't even anticipate needing to pick the players up. He says they'll do it themselves. Well, to be fair, if you, did, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. <laughs> did, you, did you shed a tear or two last weekend, Will, when you saw the results coming in? It's just, it's not a great start for Clark and the Cudden, is it? You know, they're conceding five goals a game. Okay, there's only two games so far, but Inverurie Locos going there. It's always tough, and they are one of the heavyweights of the league. Huntley, you expect a bit better, to be honest. And you can say that. Yeah, sorry, I'm actually from Huntley. <laughs> You're allowed to say that. Uh, and um, my cousin actually plays for the team as well. But Huntley, you know, they're not one of the heavyweights. They're, you pretty much rank them as a mid-table team. You would actually fancy Clark to cut in to get something from that game. But they were blown away. They were 4-1 down at half-time. They conceded a goal within a couple of minutes, I think it was. But it's not a great start. It's only two games in. And Wick Academy is never an easy place to go. Really good football team. Quite a, a vocal support as well. The pitch, the slope of dreams, that says it all. They've got to adapt to that as well. Yeah, Clark McKinnon have to approve. Because we've got to remember, the bottom team could be relegated from the Highland League this season. Fort William are still losing all their games, but they're not getting scalped in the way they were previously. I've got to give a special mention to Lossie Mouth. Last few seasons, they, they've been one of the teams that have taken a few hidings and been at the bottom. They've actually got off to a fantastic, well, get off to a fantastic start. They got beat 5-0 by Bucky. But in the North of Scotland Cup, they absolutely outplayed Nerd County in 1-4-2. And then they got a draw against Inverurie Locos. They look a very good team. I wouldn't expect them to be struggling at the bottom this season. So who does that leave? They've got to buck up their ideas, Clark McCudden. Because you, re- you remember the season, which got to about March before the pandemic hit and everything was cancelled. Clark McCudden actually lost both their games to Fort William, albeit they had a lot of Cully Fissile youth players. We're talking about the Highland League's most successful ever club. You know, they, they, they've won more titles than anyone else, albeit it's been a long time since they won a title. They've got to buck up their ideas because it's not been a good start. You know, conceding five goals a game, regardless of who you're playing, words need to be had. And I, and I say that as a Clark McCurman fan. During my time in Inverness, I've really grown to really like that club. And I would hate to see it have a really poor season again. Well, you touched a little bit on Nairn County earlier on when you mentioned their loss to Lossiemouth. It is still early in the season. It's only a couple of games in, but they've got a tough one themselves this weekend away to Rothes, who picked up a really good 3-0 win in the North of Scotland Cup midweek. 
how concerning would it be if Nairn lost this to Rothis and, and ended up losing three on the trot? I'm, to be honest, if Rothis won, it wouldn't surprise me because Rothis are a very good side. They won their North of Scotland Cup the first round match on Wednesday night against Forest Mechanics 3 nothing. If Forest Mechanics are no mugs, Rothis are a good team. A lot of people are saying maybe slight outsiders for the Highland League title. I would maybe put them outsiders at best because I think there's four teams that are capable of winning in the Highland League. Uh, Brewer Rangers, Fraserburgh, Brecon City and Buckley Thistle. I don't think Rolfers are at level yet, but I don't think they're far away. But they're certainly in a better position than what Nairn County are because they're struggling for personnel. Uh, and I think that was really noticeable in their North of Scotland Cup match when basically Lossie Mouth wiped the floor with Nairn County that night. I, I was stunned by what I saw. And that's all credit to Lossie Mouth because they've certainly improved, but Nairn County weren't at the races at all. Nairn County got off to a good start with a 2-0 win against Keith, but they've lost both their home matches in the Cup and in the league to Devon and Vale last weekend. And uh, you spoke to Ronnie Sharp yourself. He's looking to go into the loan market because he recognised there is a personnel issue now. So it'll be interesting to see who comes in for Nairn in the next few weeks because they certainly need reinforcements. Yeah, it's not just the number of people that they've got out. It's that it's key players that they're missing and that a couple of them are long-term injuries as well. Uh, Fraser Dingwall went down the warm-up last weekend before the match started with uh, a medial ligament injury, which is a very long-term thing. Somebody else had, I think it was an Achilles issue as well, which is always long-term. That's a really nasty one to have. And the loan market isn't something that Nairn tend to go in for that much. They tend to promote guys from the reserve team, from the youth ranks, but just purely needs must for Ronnie Sharp right now. He says it might be something they have to look into. He didn't give any names. He didn't say they were close to anything. It was very much just uh, we might have to look at this because of the players that they're missing and because of the way the season has gone so far. They do like to give youth a chance, but at the minute, if the youth isn't up to scratch, then they're going to need, as you say, reinforcements there. That's why I ask how concerning it would be if they lost, because three in a row potentially... Losing becomes a habit. That's not a good thing for a team that was hoping to break into the upper echelon of the Highland League this season. Yeah, well, they did that in the season. The, the pandemic uh, concluded things early. They, they had been struggling in the bottom half seasons previously. Rory Sharp was taking the club in the right direction, but obviously the pandemic's had, and, you know, 16 months is a long time in football. So it could be a back to the start job for Nairn County again. And uh, hopefully... It won't take too long before they can get some positive results. They got a good one against Keith, but a bad loss to Lossy Mouth and a poor defeat to Devon Vale. It's not the start to the season that they wanted. No, far from it. And like you say, fingers crossed, it's not too long before they can turn things around there. Well, it's also not the start to the season that a couple of clubs in the Highlands and Islands League would have wanted, because I believe there's been more call-offs this week, hasn't there? Yep. Unfortunately, the Highlands and Islands League Cup quarterfinal between Cully Fissel and Nairn St Ninian has been postponed because Nairn St Ninian can't field a team. Uh, the two teams met last week uh, where Cully Fissel Development uh, defeated Nairn St Ninian 11-2. You were at that game, weren't you? No, I was at that game. And to be fair to Nairn St Ninian, the scoreline maybe flattered Cully Fissel Development. It was only 5-2 with... 17 minutes to go and then Cully Fissel Development scored six so I think it was just a case of heads went down because Nairn St Ninian to be fair to them they could play some football 
If anyone doesn't know Cali Fissel development this season, they've scored 53 goals in three games. Crazy. 23 against Orkney, 19 against Kirkwall City, and 11 against Near St. Ninian last weekend. Uh, it's been an impressive start. And uh, I spoke to the captain, Amy Lee Davidson, afterwards. You know, th- there was no modesty at all there in it to win the League Cup as well as the Highlands and Islands League. So they'll have tougher tests. There are teams in the division that have done better, but it's certainly been an impressive start for Cali Fissel development. Absolutely. Let's move away from football a little bit, because I think we've basically covered all the levels there, apart from the amateur football, which is ongoing. I'm sure we'll do a bit more on them as they approach the end of their season uh, in the coming weeks. But let's go to Shinty, because it's the Kamenach's Cup weekend, and Bewley have been on a decent run so far, it is going to be a tough one for them against Kyle's, but they'll be pretty, maybe not confident, but optimistic about their chance of springing another surprise, won't they? They've beat the Premiership uh, opposition already this season. They knocked out Caberfay in the previous round on penalties, and then they beat them in the league 4-3. Uh, I think it was last Friday, actually. It was a Friday night match at uh, Strathbever. Unfortunately, I didn't go, because apparently fans were allowed back. Um, but, you know, Bewley... For anyone who doesn't know Shinty, they, they were pretty much a second division team, or as it's called, the national division. Never really challenging for promotion either. They were always seen as mid-table. So they're taking on a Kells athletic team who have maybe come close to winning the premiership in recent seasons, but have always been a top-half team. It'll certainly be a step up above what they've played previously. But there seems to be a bit of momentum at Bewley at the moment. They've got a good young team. They've brought in some uh, experienced personnel as well, in the likes of Robbie Brindle, who's a, a very good forward. And uh, with Pels Athletic having to travel to Bewley, you never know. Home advantage might be a factor, and we could see another upset. And to see a team like Bewley in the Cabinet Cup semi-final, dare to dream, you know, it, it, it could, it could, there could be a massive upset this year. Because there's a few big teams that have gone out of the competition, especially Newton Moore, whose hopes of winning the Cabinet Cup for five years in a row were ended, albeit against Premiership champions Kugnusi, who are heavy favourites to win it. But you never know. As long as there's minnows in the competition, it's fantastic. And you never know. Dare to dream. We often talk about the magic of the cup in football, but it's exactly the same in Shinty as well. Bewley are really embodying that spirit right now, aren't they? Yeah, and it's a shinty village, you know. It's a they've got a very good youth setup. Okay, they're not one of the major teams, but uh, shinty is an important part of the community. I don't know if you've ever been to Brave View, but it's quite an impressive setup. And uh, you never know, home advantage. I could see them doing it. I'm trying to find out when they actually um, last won the trophy because they have won it, but I think it was a long, long, long time ago, 1913. Wow, okay. really won the Kavanagh Cup. So it would be a properly historic moment if they did make it through. It would be, oh God, a failed standard game loss. <laughs> 108 years of heart could be over this year. Dare to dream. As long as Canusia are knocked out by somebody, I fancy their chances. There you go. I am just going to spend the next little bit reeling about how you just said you failed standard grade maths. So, well, tell us about the story you were doing about Queen's Park being a a trailblazer in Scotland. Queen's Park. Sorry, the stadium. Yes. Sorry, I thought you were speaking about the football club for a second. (laughs) No, I knew exactly what you were speaking about, Hendo. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. 
Queen's Park Stadium has been given the UK Athletics trademark, which means they're among the top athletics facilities in Scotland. It's a huge accolade and uh, congratulations to everyone involved in upgrading the stadium to meet those requirements. Um, it's a huge achievement and uh, one which shouldn't be underestimated. We've talked quite a bit about athletics on Balls and Whistles and it's maybe not a surprise that when we're talking about people starting out with Inverness Harriers and making it up to Commonwealth Games, going to Olympic qualifiers, being British champion, world champion, that they have such a good facility to train at. And that's really where it all starts. They don't have that sort of grounding in the very first place. Everything else becomes so much more difficult. So it is well deserved, isn't it? You know, it's, it's really important to have that. You just have to look at the success of their athletes just recently. Megan Keith was at the European Championships and just missed by a whisker of winning a medal in the 3,000 metres. Kirsty Law competed at the European Championships, British Discus champions, multiple Scottish champion as well. But there's also athletes that have competed at a national level and even at regional level. You know, they're among the top athletes in the country. So huge uh, kudos has to go to the Queen's Park Stadium for just giving them such an excellent facility for them to train on. And uh, hopefully that will continue. Well, I don't think I've got too much more on my list of stuff to talk about. Is there anything else that's caught your eye this week? Inverness Lions. Congratulations to them. For anyone who doesn't know who the Inverness Lions are, they're a basketball team. And now they're playing in the top flight of Scottish basketball. They qualified for the 20. 21-2022 National Division 1 campaign, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, where the top eight teams in Scotland will compete to become national champions. It shouldn't be underestimated how big an accolade this is for the club, especially when COVID hit the sport so badly. So congratulations to them and looking forward to reporting on the Inverness Lions during the season. Yeah, somehow I suspected you might pick that one. I'm a big basketball fan. You know, I, I think it's quite an underrated sport in this country. Hopefully not for much longer with seeing how it's been doing at the Olympics. It's three-on-three basketball as well has been... Oh, no, no, I, I don't like the, no, I don't like the three-on-three at all. You're not a fan of that? No, no, no I think that's a bastardisation. What's your thoughts on that as an Olympic sport? I didn't know it was going to be in the Olympics until I saw it was happening at the Olympics. I thought it looked quite exciting. It's, it's a more dynamic version of the sport, I suppose. I'm, I'm not that into basketball myself, so I don't know. It maybe is totally abhorrent and against tradition. I wouldn't know. I, I didn't have any major objection to seeing it on the calendar. Did you ever play FIFA? I did play FIFA. You remember like the spin-off games where it was like street football when it was like three or three? FIFA Street. Yeah. You know, like that sort of thing, like it's just street football, that sort of thing. I hate that. I hate that game. I would like to ask you a question about the Olympics. Oh, no. Do you think football should be in the Olympics? I don't see any reason why football shouldn't be in the Olympics. I do. I don't think football should be in the Olympics. I think the Olympics should be the pinnacle of a sport. Now, you, you tell me, is the Olympics for football bigger than the World Cup? Absolutely not. Exactly. Therefore, it shouldn't be in... Because you look at the national teams... They're not sending their best players to the Olympics, are they? It's mostly under 23 players, isn't it? So let, let me just check then. You have the same argument against tennis and golf being... Yes, I was going to exactly say that. Tennis. 
don't get me wrong, Andy Murray, congratulations on winning these Olympic medals, one of my sporting heroes, but you're not telling me he puts his Olympic medals above winning Wimbledon or the US Open. You know, the Australian Open, the French Open, for any tennis player, would they rather win the, the Olympics rather than one of those events? No chance. You just have to look at Novak Djokovic. Was he out first round in the Olympics? Did he take the Olympics seriously? Sorry, something I'm quite passionate about because I, I do like the Olympics, but I do believe it should be for sports where it's the pinnacle. The same goes with golf. I know I've missed a couple of weeks, Will, but if it hasn't already, have we just found your column topic for next week? Yeah, I'll, I'll, probably, I'll probably write that for Tuesday. Well, I'll tell you what, Will, I would love to write at some point about fantasy football, especially looking at how the league table shapes up for the Balls and Whistles League after week one. Big thanks to everybody who entered. You can still join the league, as far as I know. The, the code to join is on our Twitter feed, although you will be at a slight disadvantage if you enter a team now after the first week's already been out of the way. Will, you were down in sixth place. Well, you know what? You know what I did deliberately? I didn't pick any old firm players whatsoever. I did notice that, actually. I just wanted to see how I would get on without doing that. Is that going to be your thing for the whole season? You're not going to put in any Celtic or Rangers players? Yep. I promise that I will not put in any old firm players in my squad, just to give everyone a chance. You did put in three Ross County players. I did, yeah. You put in Carl Donaldson, Ross Callahan, and Blair Spill. Yep. And if I remember right, I put in two St. Johnson players. And two defenders. Two- Two former Cali Thistle defenders. Well, uh, you know, the, I, say, I, I say that actually three because I didn't spot your goalkeeper as well. There's three St. Johnson players in there. I cleaned up last week. How am I only six? You got 54 I points. I'm second on 73. Oh, here we go. This is the reason it's been brought up. Well, it's not just, I was actually going to shout out whoever scores the most points each week, every week on the podcast. And this week it happens to be Johnny Clark. From oh, our Elgin office. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not a fellow member of staff. I must say, Johnny, if you're listening, well done on your team name. He's gone for Forrest Gump, which I think is, is really good. But maybe unsurprisingly, the difference between me and him was that I had vice-captained James Tavernier from Rangers, and he captained him. So it is definitely the old firm players that are making the difference there, Will. But you're down sixth out of nine. I mean, what is happening there? You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, I mean, you're probably still going to end up finishing higher than I am. It's just a good first well, week for me. With my non-old firm policy. To be fair, any Celtic players you had have probably been a liability last weekend. True, very true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm expecting big things from Ross County and St. Johnson this season. Clearly. Apparently <laughs> so. And when they were both facing each other, that was a brave call last week. It was. I think it was a call that paid off, given the majority of them are defenders and Xander Clark and goal. Well, like I say, you're sixth out of nine, so it depends how you, you value paid off. Like I said, you know, it's one game. I'm taking the clack and the cut-out approach. Things will get better. So have you already got your strategy in place? Do you know what changes you're making this weekend? I've already made my changes for the season. Is that you're, you're sticking with that team for the whole I'm season? sticking with that. <laughs> Hell or high water. Okay, we'll see how that goes. I will keep you updated. Week to week on Balls and Whistles. Even when you're not here, Will, I'm still going to read out how you do if you say you're not making any changes. So that will be interesting. Like I say, if anybody is listening and wants to get involved, the code to join the league is on our Twitter profile, but you will be at a slight disadvantage putting in a team now after everybody else has already got points on the board for week one. Then again, if Will's not changing his team, you'll probably catch him up quite quickly. That's what I'm guessing. 
I believe in loyalty, Hendo. That is not a thing in fantasy football. <laughs> Should we just bring this to a close for this week on that note? We've waffled on long enough. I think we absolutely have waffled on long enough. Let's give enough. the public peace. There are other Highland News and media podcasts for you to listen to. I believe there's a new episode out of Active Outdoors pretty recently. Season one of Health and Lift Nest is finished, but you can still go back and get all your workout and fitness tips from them. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Well, we're past 30 now. We've been doing this podcast for quite a long time at this point. It's a good job we decide what happens to balls and whistles, because I think if it was up to the BBC or Channel 4, we would have been axed after episode four. That is optimistic, but I like your optimism in this case. Um, the only reason we have kept going is because all of you are listening. Please continue to do that. Leave us a review, depending on, on where you're listening. That's always nice. That might help other people find us. And of course, you can get in touch with us if you want to ask a question on Twitter at balls underscore whistles or by emailing ballsandwhistles at hnmedia.co.uk. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs>